Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Fuck a Diet podcast in quarantine. My name is Caroline Dooner, and I am the host, obviously, and I'm also the author of the Fuck a Diet book. And this podcast and the book are dedicated to helping people begin to unravel their tenuous and disordered and dysfunctional relationship with food, all thanks to diet culture and fat phobia and blah, blah, blah. That should be my official intro. I'm going to save it. I'm going to use it every time. It's perfect. Um, I should also, I, I don't save them, but I I make, I do so many intros. I say hello so many times and then press pause and then do it again. And I should be saving them and compiling them into one long, annoying blooper reel. And maybe I will. Maybe I'll start that next time, but I think I'm going to keep this one. And if you're listening to it, it means I kept it. Today, I am sharing a conversation with you with Delina, who is an anti-diet dietitian. And on Instagram, she is your Latina nutritionist. And we talk today about how diet culture doesn't let people eat their cultural foods, specifically simple carbs, um, and why food is one of the most important things for immunity, and on and on. It's a great conversation, and I'm going to just, I'm going to share it in like a minute, <laughs> and then afterwards I will I will talk a little bit about what's been going on, my hair experiment, my Marvel quest, um, and just, you know, other boring, random, stupid things, which is my favorite thing. I love talking about boring, boring, stupid, random things. Borum too. I, before I share my conversation with Delina, I want to thank you for some really lovely podcast reviews. I... I don't look very often, but sometimes I do. And and there were a lot of really, 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 really bad <laughs> bad reviews a couple months ago. Um, and that's fine, you know, it's life, it happens. But I there are like a handful of really just wonderful, really supportive reviews in the past month, and I just saw them and I'm so thankful. And uh, so thank you to the people who have left them. And also, if you want to support this podcast, leaving a good review is a really, really helpful way to do that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, And lastly, before I share this conversation, if you would like to share with me and with the podcast listeners a positive and inspiring experience on the fuck a diet I usually like to ask that the person's been doing it for at least six months if not a year because the first couple months can be really 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 scary and difficult and it can be really helpful for people to hear stories from the other side or at least from way further along if you would like to share your story please send it to podcast at carolinedooner.com thank you okay without further Adieu. Here's my conversation with Delina. So I am a registered dietitian and I work in the intuitive eating world. Um, and so most of my clients uh, virtually are coming through Instagram um, and they're just hoping to get into um, the intuitive eating world, learn more about ditching the diets, um, 
and just feeling better about themselves and learning to accept their bodies. And so um, that's kind of like the framework I provide for them. I, I provide this program where they're able to, you know, learn and walk through the steps with me and really learn how to become more self-aware and in tune with their bodies without, you know, dieting and just getting rid of all those thoughts as much as possible. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. How did you get into doing work in intuitive eating? Have you always been that way or was it something that happened later for you? Yeah. So I think that's a, a great question because for me, I feel like I've always been an intuitive eater. Mm. Um, and so I didn't know it was a thing until maybe three years ago. Um, because, you know, when you go through the dietetics world, um, mm. everything is like very weight centric. And so yes. going to school, you know, you become a dietitian and you're always talking about helping people lose weight and, mm -hmm. you know, keeping it off. And I always felt you know, going through school, I grew up in Philly. So I grew up in a very diverse community. Mm -hmm. And so I went to Penn State for undergrad. And I was just like shocked. <laughs> like there's, you know, not a lot of diversity. And everybody would always talk about, um, you know, people should be able to have access to fruits and vegetables. And you know, why are they picking french fries over this? And, and I'm always like, uh, hello, have you ever been to the city? <laughs> Right. Have you ever seen how these people live? So I think that even then I was like, something's not right here. And I always knew um, growing up, looking at the women in my family that, you know, we all came in different sizes and shapes and there was no rhyme and reason for it, really. We all ate the same. Right. I don't remember there being like a huge diety uh, feel to my family. I mean, diets were always there, you know, but it wasn't like super immersed in diet culture. I think my grandma did a good job at just like treating everyone the same. And yeah, we would, you know, eat and, you know, it was always like, try not to eat too much, clean the plate, right. but don't gain weight, you know, but it wasn't like super toxic, I would say. Right. And so I always thought in my head, like, you don't have to be a certain size to be healthy. And so when I got into dietetics, I always felt that way. Um, but then, you know, I didn't know that there was an actual word or, or a movement for it. I just right. thought it. And then I would be like, yeah, we could, we could work on your eating. You don't have to restrict, but if you lose weight, great right, <laughs> kind right. of thing, not knowing the nuances behind it and, and the harm that could be caused. Right. So what, what uh, inspired you to go into dietetics in the first place? Um, so I actually started off pre-med oh, wow. and I always joke around that I'm like a very lazy person when it comes to like exercising, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not a group fitness kind of person. Um, and so I had to take like, you know, you have to take a gym or like a PE you know, credit every semester. And mm -hmm. I waited too long to sign up because I oh was like God. truly dreading like, <laughs> taking a course. And then my advisor was like, you can take nutrition 101. And I was like, all right, sign me up. If I don't have to like exercise, I'm good. And so um, I took it and I was like, yeah, no, this is what I want to do. Um, wow. I kind of, I like, I finished the semester and I switched my major to dietetics right afterwards. Um, and I never looked back. That's so cool. Wait, so I'm so so are you saying that like as part of a pre-med 
degree, there's like a requirement to do something quote unquote healthy. And so it was like either PE or nutrition or am I? No. Oh, well, I don't know. No. So I think, so for all undergrad, um, just like the core classes, you have to have, I think a PE or at least back then a PE or some sort of like credit, right. That that falls into that realm. But because I waited too long, (laughs) you just couldn't do it. So I I couldn't fit. uh, Yeah. There was no classes available because I I was really dreading it. I'm like, I I don't want to play softball. Like I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember what the list was of things. And I think yoga was the only one that I was like, yeah, I'll do yoga. But it was like, completely full because all the seniors took it you know right. how there's like the hierarchy of right. for they classes. Get to choose it first. they get to choose yeah. first and it was always taken so my advisor was like well you need the credit so nutrition 101 actually counted okay as okay. this credit for that first semester I see um, I ended up having to take <laughs> some sort of eventually activity, eventually <laughs> um, which I, then I was able to sign up for yoga but yeah, I just remember that was kind of like the criteria. My advisor was like, either you do this or you're not going to have a credit. And I was I like, okay. <laughs> so you just sort of like accident, not accidentally, but you took this nutrition 101 class and you were like, wow, I, you were just like really interested in it. Yeah. Um, I, at that point I was like, I want to be on the preventative side of things. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to wait until someone's too sick to see them. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be able to, you know, see them before and hopefully help manage disease. And, and I love food. So it was just like, I felt like a perfect combination. And, uh, you know, as I dove deeper into it, I realized just how minimal the the amount of diversity is in dietetics and, you know, Spanish speaking dietitians are even rarer. So I "I have to do this. And then now it's like, you know, now that you know another form of how to, you know, have gentle nutrition in, in someone's life, it's like you cringe every time you hear certain things. Right. Well, okay. So you were always, so you were always just like kind of naturally intuitive in your own yeah. life. And mm-hmm. then I assume that that extended to your kind of perspective. Um so I guess I'm curious, I'm curious about a lot of things, but yes. I'm, curious, I'm curious. So when you were here, when you were kind of going through school and it had this weight centric focus mm-hmm. and, you know, the fat phobia was it just, you know, everything in our culture is dripping with mm-hmm. it, definitely in nutrition school too. How, mm-hmm. how was that for you? Was, was there kind of, did you always sort of have an awareness that that wasn't really your perspective or did you take it on for a little while? So I think that I took it on, right? But I took mm-hmm. it on in a way where I was like, but I'm doing it the right way. Right, 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 right. <laughs> as in, I thought, at, at, you know, as you're going through school and they're, you know, spitting all these numbers out at you, you're like, holy crap, this is a problem, right? Like, right. the O word is such a problem. Everybody's obviously, you know, way, you know, their weight is too big and we have to do something about it. Um, but in my head, um, it was always like, but I still think that they can be healthy mm, yeah. <laughs> and I can help them be healthier because I know their foods mm. and I know how to understand them. So I think in my world back then, it was like, I can help you and I can still help you eat all the foods that you love, but we'll still lose weight. Right, right. <laughs> and so when did so when did you find haze and intuitive eating 
So I was late to the Instagram game. Um, and so about three years ago, I kind of like created my first account, nutrition account. I had like a personal account. Mm -hmm. um, and somehow I just started following dietitians and I happen to only follow, I guess, Hayes and Intuitive mm -hmm. Eating Dietitians because right. I started getting all of these messages. And I'm like, you know what? This is clicking. Like, this is something that I feel like I've thought for a while and I just didn't know that right. this was a thing and that I could practice this way right. and not be judged. Um, and I started to, you know, read more. And then I started going to conferences and symposiums. And then I was like, yeah, no, there's no turning back. Um, I, I have to practice this way and I just can't continue to be doing harm yes. <laughs> to anyone. And so I kind of like, I want to say almost two years ago, I completely just like restructured my practice. Um, even my, you know, my in-person practice in Philadelphia, I, mm -hmm. I, even though doctors are referring to me for certain things, I like nip it in the butt as soon as someone calls me. <laughs> Right. Or like sends me a, you know, a contact form always like, well, this is how I practice. If you're interested in still coming in for an appointment, you're more than welcome. And most people are like, yes, you know, I'm, I'm tired yes. <laughs> of, of this chronic yo-yoing. And most people are looking for some sort of different way of doing things. And so they come in and um, I've been fortunate that most people stick with me and, and work through it and um, kind of change their way of thinking but you know it's really hard when the medical world is still it so is so weight centric it's so hard um, but I imagine that when you talk to people in this like pre-screening process letting them know how you work that yeah. even if they've never heard of intuitive eating before that it that it there's something inside of them that's like I would love that like yeah. if, <laughs> if that really can, can work you know there's so much yeah. skepticism but I I just know that that's what we're really craving. That's what we, we want to be able to just eat, you know, we just mm -hmm. don't know. So it's so great that you're, you're in the position to be able to share that with people. Yeah. And, and it's great because most of my in-person clients are Hispanic or Latino and they're coming in usually because they don't speak English very well. And so they're looking for that, you know, Spanish speaking dietitian. Yes. And so I'm able to like, kind of like educate in Spanish. And this is something that they're like, oh my God, I've never heard of this before. Um, so so it's really cool um, to be able to, to do that. And then on the virtual side, most people are coming in, they already have an idea of what's mm -hmm. happening. Um, they've been following pages, you know, right. like, like, you know, yours and, and mine's and everybody else's that's in this world. And they're just ready, you know, they're ready to take the, the leap and say, you know what, I, I need help. And I want to work with someone through this. Yes. Um, I'm looking, I, I was looking at your site and I, I love where it says, I love where it says, I love white rice. Like, yes, yeah. me too. Me too. Uh, we eat white rice every day. There's actually a, it's the pot full of white rice on my counter right now. It's so amazing. So King, so I, I really love you were, we, you were talking to me before when we were talking about, by email mm -hmm. about how you and you've talked you've kind of alluded to it but you help people you know still be able to have a good relationship with their cultural foods and how like diet culture is so you know it 
it really is not very encouraging of cultural yeah. foods. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think that, again, there's this diet culture tries to, you know, label things as good or bad and white foods are always bad. Um, and so when we think of white food and, and at least in the Caribbean Latin community, we see a lot of white rice, right? right? And when someone tells you you can't eat white rice and that's the staple right. <laughs> of your cuisine, it's like, what? What do you mean? And so it's really tough um, for a lot of people because they, they have such guilt about eating the white rice because they think that they're being bad, but then in the same breath, they have no idea what else to eat because all our dishes kind of revolve around it and cauliflower rice is not cutting it. No, so. that's not rice. <laughs> it's, it's not, not rice. It's just, you know, crumbles of cauliflower. It's a cruciferous vegetable. <laughs> so, and it doesn't even have the same consistency. But not anyway. at all, not at all. So I think that it's so confusing. And for a lot of people, uh, it's like effort. You know, I'm, I'm just not gonna take care of myself. And then I feel like they think that they're not take care, taking care of themselves. And then it spirals into right. other things that, you know, can cause more harm to their health. When in essence, they could have just had the white rice <laughs> and been fine. Right, right. And it's the demonizing of it that yeah. makes you think like, well, I guess, yeah. I guess it's too hard. I guess mm -hmm. there's too much to do instead of realizing that white rice is literally a food. It's a food, and there's not that much of a difference between brown rice and white rice. It's Except like that a one gram. It tastes a lot better. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a one gram of fiber difference. Yes. <laughs> so... Not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, guys. Yes. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially like the psychology of if people believe that they can't, that they have to like really really, really, really overhaul every single thing and every single thing that they eat in order to be able to consider themselves healthy, that that's, that's honestly too much of an ask. Yeah. And it's, and it's extremely arbitrary too. Exactly. Um, because it, it's not only with white rice, it's, it's a lot of the cultural foods. And, and again, Latinos aren't the only ones that eat white rice, right? The mm -hmm. Asian community has a lot of white rice, mm -hmm. but then you also think about like pasta, it, carbs in general, right? Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. carbs in general are demonized. And so carbs are such a major part of a lot of cultures. And so it, it's I so, why. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why, um, because they're our primary source of energy people. Um, and and they're so also uh, affordable, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's the other aspect of it, right? The, right? the affordability of it, and then when you're being told to buy brown rice and it's, you know, two three dollars more than white rice, mm -hmm. and you're like, but I don't have the money, and then that adds more stress and more yes. guilt. So it's it's just again a vicious cycle. Um, that, you know, this diet culture or wellness world is putting on people because they feel like they're wrong for not being able to afford it, right? To be able to eat it. And then they're just bad in general because they can't, you know, put this on their family's plate. And then <laughs> so they're, they're wrong. And that chronic stress piece, mm -hmm. and that, the stress just from the financial burden is bad for our health anyway. Yes. 
Yes. Yes. I'm always like stress is worse for you than like, (laughs) than anything. anything, anything. It's true. And it's usually the thing that like kicks, you know, like kind of overflows our, like our, our bucket, so to speak Mm -hmm. of, you know, what we can handle. So yeah, it's just, it's just, it's a lot. (laughs) It's yeah. It's unfortunate. What are you noticing? Um, with your clients during this quarantine, is there anything that you're noticing across the board that people are experiencing or struggling with? I think everybody is really worried about the quarantine 15. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, I feel like we're all talking about it. Um, And it's, it's such a ridiculous concept, I feel like, but again, it just tells you just how much fat phobia there is in the world and internalized. It really does. Um, Yeah. And and it's just unfortunate because people are worried about that instead of worrying. And well, no, a lot of people are worrying about how they're going to nourish themselves too. But then yeah. they're also worried about what if I gain weight? Right. All and that's at breath, odds. Yeah. Um, which causes more stress and stress is not going to help you fight COVID. <laughs> right. Uh, truly. <laughs> we really want to keep the stress at the minimum so your immune system can be working properly. Yeah. Um, So I I tell everyone, you know, think of your immune system or think of your body as like a car. I love using cars as analogies because I feel like most people like understand it, but it's like you can pump all the fuel injections in your car that you want, but if it doesn't have gas, it won't Mm -hmm. run. So if your body has no calories or energy to fight a virus, you can take all the supplements you want. It's not going to help you. It's so and, true. And I hate, you know, that people are being taken advantage. And I also feel like in the same breath, if drinking vitamin C is going to make you feel less stressed, go for it. But it's not going to make you superhuman. Yes. And that's what people need to understand. Yes. Like, like I mean, hey, smooth, yeah, the placebo effect, if it if it makes you feel calmer, I think that yeah. that is at least half of the, yes. the battle there. Oh, yes, right? for sure. If a smoothie is going to make you feel like you got antioxidants and you got vitamin C in your day and you can tackle it, go for it. But it's not going to help you not get the disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truly. And that's and, what people are trying to sell you, right? They're trying to sell you, boost your immune system. You're going to be fine. You're, you're not going to get it. You're going to be able to fight it off. And it's like, no, 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 that's not how your immune system works. I know. And it's just really <laughs> like diet and wellness culture just in high gear. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like we're just able to see it even more clearly now. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I had another question and now I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> How are you finding working from home? Well, I have two little ones. It's so hard. It's been, this this week has been okay. Thankfully, uh, my partner has been home, so he is keeping them entertained. That's awesome. Um, but he's essential, so he goes into work um, still. Mm. And so, I don't know if you heard that roaring in the background. I did, I love it. That's, yeah, that's my son. <laughs> he thinks he's a, a dinosaur. <laughs> How old is he? He's going to be three in two oh weeks. Oh my God. Yeah. So we're a little sad. We're not, we had to cancel the birthday party oh and he's God. excited about his chocolate cake, but not to worry. Mama's making chocolate cake. Yes. <laughs> I'm making tons of chocolate cake. Oh, that's so great. I mean, that's really all we can do to celebrate birthdays <laughs> right now, isn't it? Just yeah. Cake, 
just so much cake yeah i'm making so many cupcakes whatever whatever the box is making i'm making it all and i bought two boxes of it so (laughs) So great will you tell us where we can find you yes so i am on instagram and my handle is your latina nutritionist i will include a link there and you should all go and follow it it's delina right yes okay i didn't know <laughs> I if i was line a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh delina thank you so much this was wonderful i hope that you and your family stay safe and sane and trying yeah we're all, <laughs> that's all we can do So you can check out the show notes for this episode to find links to follow Delina. And what do I say now? You know, I talked about this a couple episodes ago, but I do still have Patreon. (laughs) Uh, Patreon Patreon.com has, for $10 a month, just lots of archived replays and archived episodes. And every month I upload at least an hour-long archived piece of content. A lot of Q&As are from past programs that I've run. Some are even from past runs of the Fuck a Diet Book Club. I understand that the Fuck a Diet Book Club, which is running right now, and we're in the second week, and tonight is the second call. Um, I know that it's not accessible for everybody, but uh, the Patreon is a very affordable way to get some content, and you can always join for a couple months and consume it, and then just cancel. Um, so if you would like to check that out, that's patreon.com slash caroline. All right, I have come back in here to just give a disclaimer that the next 22 minutes of this episode, literally just the rest of this episode, I am going to first be talking for 15 minutes about my stupid hair and my hair experiment to wash my hair less. So that's the next 15 minutes. And then the following seven minutes until the end of the episode is talking about me and my Marvel journey, my Marvel movie journey. So if you don't want to hear about me and my oily hair and my oily hair experiment and me sharing it with Instagram and people not understanding and what I'm doing and what it's been like, you're not going to want to listen to those 15 minutes unless you're curious. Um, And then if you don't care about the Marvel movies or do care but don't want things to be spoiled, you're not going to care about the last seven minutes. So if you don't care about my oily hair or Marvel, you probably want to stop listening to this episode now. And I'll talk to you in two weeks. If you do want to hear about my hair, you can keep listening. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I've been doing during quarantine is I have been trying to, for the past four weeks, I've been trying to see if I can wash my hair less. I am one of those people who washes their hair every day because, well, not only because it gets really oily really fast. And when I say really fast, I mean like a half a day. Um, and I, th- I, I've washed my hair every day for 20 years. I mean, it's been a really long time. How old am I? Maybe not 20 years, maybe like 15 years. I don't know. It's. I wonder when I started taking a shower every day, actually. High school is such a blur to me. I, I probably took a shower every day in high school. Um, I'm 32, by the way. So 20 years, 12, I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is that I wash my hair every day, and my hair is very straight, and it's very slick. Like, it's not dry. It doesn't hold shape. 
Um, it's heavy and slick and straight and oily, like Snape. And I've tried, and I've definitely tried in the past to see if I could stretch it, and it just was like such a not fun process that I I gave up. And so, but you know, everybody says, oh, you shouldn't wash your hair every day, and. I don't know. I just, I've tried and it's really hard. But anyway, I've heard enough success stories from people. I've also heard lots of people saying, no, I tried this and it didn't work, which is perfectly fine. But I've been trying to see if I can stretch it. And I heard from a friend whose hairdresser told her that you, you kind of like jumpstart it by going as many days as you can. And then you start washing it every other day for two weeks or for a month. And then you stretch it. So you're like giving it time to get used to it. Because the theory is that the more you shampoo your hair and strip the hair of oils, the more your scalp is encouraged to overproduce oil to make up for the stripping of the hair. Now, I've been sharing, I've been sharing this on Instagram and people are so weird about it now enough people are fully normal and supportive and are saying hey i i don't have this problem but i'm i'm watching along some people are saying hey i have this problem and i tried it and it didn't work but i'm really interested to see what happens with you some people are saying hey i had this problem and i did what you're doing and it really worked you're gonna have to push through it's gonna take a couple months but it's worth it and some people are like this is never gonna work this isn't scientifically supported. This is woo-woo. There's no science to support this. You're obsessed with your hair. It's weird. It's really weird. People are being really weird about it. And um, I, so what I want to do is I just want to share for anyone who is interested, who has been watching along and who wants to know what I've been doing and if I've had any success, I'm just gonna share for the next like five minutes. I'm gonna explain what I've been doing, what I'm gonna keep trying to do, and if I have seen any benefits. Now, the first part of this is that, especially in quarantine, but sort of always, I work from home. So weirdly, a an early evening shower is like the thing that separates my day from my night. And it's, it's like one of the only things I have as a routine and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel ready to like get into even comfier clothes and to sort of have a shift from daytime to nighttime. So I really almost had like an emotional dependency on taking shower and washing my hair, not only because it felt like a reset, but also because my hair is so oily that it it just felt good. Like it was something, it was just a routine that I was in that I really had a hard time even considering breaking. Um, and you know, a lot of the responses that I got when I said that I wanted to start doing this, but that I was uncomfortable, like going a day without washing my hair was you do you girl, you're allowed to wash your hair if you want to guys. I know that I know I'm allowed to wash my hair if I want to. The reason that I'm trying the experiment is because it never my hair never looks good and that's fine there are other people saying why do you care so much about what your hair looks like aren't you supposed to not care about what things look like well you know I've gone again 15 years with my hair looking stupid all of the time and like not holding shape and getting oily in 10 hours and 
that's fine. That, that's been my life. You know, like that's been the life that I've accepted. <laughs> but if someone's telling me that there's potentially another way that might might be better, the other thing is because I like taking a shower at night, um, and it's not like I hop out of the shower and blow dry my hair. I don't do that. Um, and then I sleep on it semi-wet. I wake up and it looks, you know, it just, it never looks good. And that's fine. It's a, it's basically a choice because I don't do my hair. I don't prioritize making my hair look nice. But I still would love it if it could just, even just for 24 hours, look clean. So that's really what I'm doing. Can, can I have it look clean for 24 hours, maybe longer? If the answer is yes, I'd like to get to that place. That would be great. Um, the other thing is whenever I go two days not washing my hair, not only does it get really greasy, but it almost gets to this, like, it almost hurts. Like, my my hair almost hurts. And I, I've never articulated that before. But somebody actually asked me, they DM'd me in response to me sharing the story. They're like, oh, I've tried that, but my hair, it like, my scalp hurts if I don't wash it. And so I realized, ah, it's not just me. Um, and I don't, I don't know what that is. I, I've looked it up and it said that it's like, fungus I don't know if this is true but fungus in response to um, lots of oil I don't know if that's true but again the idea is if you wash it less it'll eventually start producing less oil and less oil less quickly again I think I'm an oily person I have an oily face um, I it might be hormonal it might be genetic it might be hormonal because it's genetic so maybe it won't work and also maybe it will work but only to a certain extent I don't know and the reason that I'm giving so many disclaimers is that no matter what I say no matter how I explain this story to people on Instagram there are people who don't understand why I'm doing it who don't think I should be doing it who have very just very 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 strong opinions very strong opinions it's very strange. And so I don't know, I, I'm almost like I'm anticipating the, the follow-up question or the follow-up advice or whatever. Okay, so so even just getting to the place where I actually didn't feel the compulsion to wash my hair every night is a part of my only thing that made me feel like I had a routine and the only thing that made me, my hair feel clean for a couple hours, even if it's just at night while it's wet before I go to bed. Um, that was a really, really, really hard shift. Like that alone was a hard thing to do, even just to go the extra day. And I would say at this point, four weeks in, the only thing that I can say I have success with is that I now am comfortable going two days, like actually having the day in between. And but it doesn't look good yet. It's still getting super oily just as fast, um, which apparently is normal. Apparently it takes many, many months, way more than one month. But even just the fact that I have broke, <laughs> broken that cycle and broken that habit is, is basically the only change that I have. So that's all my success so far. Um, but the other thing that I have realized and started to do is I've started to primarily use conditioner as my shampoo. Now let me explain. Because for a very long time, I so people are giving such different advice, right? 
a lot of people are saying, oh, well, I just learned how to wash your hair. You just, you just use shampoo on your roots and then you just condition, condition the ends because conditioner can, you know, is meant to make your hair uh, moisturized or oily. There's oil in conditioner. And so that's what I always did. I always just washed my roots with shampoo and just wash the ends with conditioner. Now my problem is never dry, brittle hair. My problem is never dandruff. My problem is never having like a like an itchy, dry scalp. It's never having dry hair. It's never having brittle, I already said that. Uh, my problem is that my hair is too healthy, <laughs> like too, too slick, which, you know, for a couple hours right after I clean it, it looks beautiful. It looks shiny. So whenever I am going somewhere, which is very rare actually, especially during quarantine, but even in my real life, I'll I'll take a shower before going. And I let it air dry and it's straight and it's shiny and it looks fine. It doesn't have body, but it's like, ah, that's like, it's lucky in one way, but it's only for a couple hours. Um... My God, this is so boring. If you don't care about hair, I really, really hope you're fast forwarding it because the only reason that I'm taking the time to do this is because every time I try to explain a piece of this journey and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it on Instagram, people go nuts with advice that I don't want or with weird feedback about why I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. And it's just, it's a lot, it's so much. So I feel like I need to explain it all, but. I'm bored even explaining it. So I'm going to try to see if I can do this quicker and then end it soon. Um, what do I try to say? Oh, so, okay. So I understand the, 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 uh, the concept that conditioner makes your hair oily. However, I have heard this for a while and I never thought that it would work for me. If you use con conditioner on your scalp and you scrub your scalp with conditioner, and then you thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly rinse, it actually makes your hair, and even my hair, even my very, very slick, oily hair, it makes my hair feel clean because it actually emulsifies with the oil but it and it sort of like gets, gets it off, but it doesn't strip the hair of oil. So your scalp is less likely to overproduce. However, even when I do that, and I've started to do that instead of shampooing every other day, and so for the day after, my hair feels the way that it feels after I would condition, with, I mean, after I would shampoo. So it actually is acting as a shampoo, but my hair is getting just as oily just as fast as of now. But apparently, that's normal. It takes months. And disclaimer, which I've said many times on Instagram, is that I know that even in months, I may find that this experiment has failed. And maybe it doesn't work for me. Maybe I am just so oily that I'm a person who needs to wash their hair every night. I also know about dry shampoo. <laughs> I know about it. Um, and I don't love dry shampoo, honestly. I don't like the way that it feels. It feels really... It feels really like, I feel like I have powder in my hair and I have dark hair too. So you, I feel like you can see it and I know you put it in, in your hair before you go to bed. So it moves itself around, but I don't love it. But I've also heard from other people that while you're trying to go through this process, the less dry shampoo you can use, the better because that's still, it, st it absorbs the oil. So it's still, it's not letting the oil stay on your roots and sort of like teaching your scalp that it doesn't need to overproduce oil. Again, I don't know. I have no idea. I, I, there's, I'm not like, 
I haven't studied this except for essentially so many DMs that I've gotten, all with conflicting advice, really. So what I'm trying to say is I now, I've only been doing this for a month, but my current method is that I will wash my hair with shampoo like every week or two, and then in between then, I quote unquote wash my hair with conditioner, which is called co-washing, and there are products specifically made for it, and I haven't used them yet, but I have ordered it just to experiment. I co-wash my hair with conditioner every other night, and then in the middle, I either just rinse it with water, or I, if I can muster it, I just leave it be, like I did last night. And the only success that I have found is learning that co-washing does make my hair feel good for a day, just like shampoo did. And also that I've stopped the compulsion to actually shampoo it every day. That's the only success that I've seen so far or experienced so far. And the rest of it is just, we'll have to see. So thank you for listening and coming to my TED Talk that has no conclusion to the hypothesis. Um, I really hope that you have fast forwarded this if you don't care about my hair. And I hope that if you didn't understand why I was doing what I'm doing, you understand a little bit better. If you are, there are a lot of people who are saying that they have the same problem as me and they're trying to see if my experiment works. And I cannot tell you, I cannot endorse this method yet for my hair, um, or for your hair, but I will continue to update you hopefully in little updates that are not 15 minutes long because this update was 15 minutes. Okay, I'm gonna move along. I'm gonna move along right now. The following includes spoilers for the Marvel movies and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Also, if you don't care about Marvel, just stop listening to this episode now and I'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye. I just recorded a long, boring segment on our Marvel movies ranking. And it was just so boring. Like, It just wasn't interesting. (laughs) And so I feel like instead of saying what I was saying, I feel like I should just give a big, big, big overview of what I thought of all of them. I, I thought they were really fun. I thought some of them were bad. I thought some of them were fantastic. The fantastic ones would be Black Panther, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers. The, the first Avengers is amazing. Captain America is amazing. Endgame, the last one was amazing. I love the Winter Soldier personally. I do think that there were some holes in like why Robert Redford's character had hired the Winter Soldier and like did he know the past between the Winter Soldier and Captain America. Like, that's not clear. I want so much more clarity because I'm in love with Sebastian Stan, so I just want so much better for the character. Um, Iron Man was great. Captain Marvel was a good movie. Uh, And then we have Ultron, Civil War, and then all the other ones, to me, could be in any order, depending on your own personal, you know. Like, there are so many that people loved that we didn't love like guardians of the galaxy were good movies but i didn't care i just didn't care i didn't care about like five stupid people like fighting and being stupid and like fighting in space like i just i just don't care about that and yes i think chris pratt is funny 
but for whatever reason, I understand why people love it, but I just, the humor is, was so stupid to me that like, it just didn't work. It just, it wasn't quite my style yet. I understand why people love it. Um, Ant-Man, uh, Paul Rudd is, uh, is so much funnier than he was in Ant-Man. So that was confusing. Like he was funnier in civil war. I don't, I don't really understand the Hulk like was so bad, <laughs> but also kind of like a like a well done movie even though I didn't enjoy it um Doctor Strange was so cool in the beginning and then it became so confusing in a way that I was just like I don't get what's going on uh Thor the Dark World was actually a good movie even though it's like the lowest rated of all of them on Rotten Tomatoes Infinity War like you could call it an amazing movie or you could call it a horrible movie just depending on the lens through which you're watching it uh what other ones i fucking hate the first thor i think it's awful um what are the other ones spider-man far from home like should have been so good considering spider-man homecoming was our second ranked movie but i just i didn't think it was like i was bored which if you're bored you're bored uh i think that's all that i want to say but you know watching all of them through I assumed that I would understand things that I didn't understand when I hadn't watched all of them especially in Infinity War which is I think why Infinity War is so low on our list because there are so many times that I was like should I know what they're talking about the fact that I don't even really understand the Infinity Stones and what they do and like and what even Thanos had the power to do with them like was the only thing that he could do to wipe out people or were there other things he could do with the infinity stones unclear shouldn't be unclear so there were a lot of whole like plot holes that really are frustrating especially with how like i know that they're superhero movies but they're very highly regarded and there were a lot of things that didn't make sense also okay my i really strongly 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 feel that Scarlett Johansson as Natasha, the Black Widow, was one of the best parts of many of these movies. And her character had so much heart. She was such an emotional um, through line, or she should have been an emotional through line, of these movies and always a, always a supporting character never got her own movie until obviously now it's it was supposed to come out this month but uh it didn't it will come out in the future sometime she is so good like she really is so good in a way that i i feel like i almost could have easily taken it taken for granted um and yeah and then she just dies and then there's no there's a funeral for the asshole tony stark but not her that just really fucking pissed me off and also the love story between her and bruce banner that was like so epic they were going to run away together and then his ship crashed and then nothing nothing then when he comes back as this hybrid monster scientist nothing and then she dies stupid Oh yeah, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert. I should go back and put that in. <sighs> All right, well, if you don't watch Marvel, I hope you skipped this. Um, and 
what else would I like to say? I think I don't want to say anything else. I don't want to say anything else. Oh, I'm writing my second book and I really, one of the really, really big themes of the book is a cultural obsession with beauty and my obsession with beauty and how I thought it was going to just heal and fix everything. Um, and so I now that I've realized that, I think I need to reframe a lot of the book to to kind of like focus on that or to make it clear that that is a big focus of the book and I think I need to rename the book. I mean, I'm I'm early enough on in the process that that's definitely doable and I'm going to send it to my agent and see what she thinks, blah, 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 blah. But that's my update. That's all I have. I mean, I'm recording this on May 24th. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. Memorial Day. I'm not doing anything because it's quarantine. Um, I'm over this. I'm fully over it. And I, I hope to talk to you under even better circumstances. And I really, really hope... I, I need to give a disclaimer. Okay, if you're listening to this, I hopefully have given a disclaimer earlier on that, I'm, that I was just going to be talking about my hair and Marvel movies for, this, for the next part for the second half of this episode. So thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving good reviews. <laughs> and uh, I'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.